All right, I'm going to go ahead and pray, and uh, we'll, we'll get going here. So let's pray. Uh, dear Lord, Heavenly Father, God, thank you for the, thank you for this day. Thank you for this morning and uh, uh, just this time together uh, to be part of Pass Point and have this fellowship, Lord. I'm just uh, thank you for this class and uh, the things that uh, we can do together to accomplish your mission, Lord. And we have a lot of ministry things that are going on, Lord, but uh, just uh, help us to keep the focus on you and uh, that we're not doing things just to be doing them, Lord. Uh, we have a, a plan and purpose for everything, Lord, and uh, to bring you honor and glory, Lord. And so we just thank you for that. Uh, we do pray for the McGuire's as they're uh, traveling back today, and uh, we're thankful that they was able to get away and have a good vacation, Lord. And so, uh, Lord, just uh, be with me today. Just uh, uh, use me, Lord, and just give you honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so uh, if you was here last week, uh, I taught on this lesson, and I, I just opened up with it talking about, because it was a week away, as it had been a week, so this is two weeks now, uh, from the Super Bowl, and... I had talked about how the whole experience of the Super Bowl and how it was just a great time and, you know, we had a lot of food and fellowship and, you know, how that really brought joy uh, to me and, uh, you know, as a Chiefs fan that uh, when those things happen and, uh, you know, it's just a cool experience and uh, I talked about how I woke up just thinking, man, I wish this could be like this all the time, have this feeling. It was just such a great experience, a great time. And, you know, then I talked about how I was convicted that uh, we can have this joy all the time because if we're a born-again believer, we do have this joy. And I had just recently, uh, you know, read through Philippians, and I'm like, well, this is going to be great. Uh, study upon joy of, you know, some practical things in our life of where we can have joy in. Uh, because I think we just get through, uh, we go through the motions sometimes of uh, just doing ministry and sometimes I think we feel obligated and uh, we just don't really have that true joy that uh, that dwells inside of us. And so um, I talked about a couple different things about uh, where we can have joy in and uh, um, I think the first uh, session should be online if you want to try to check that out soon. Um, but I'll do just a quick little recap. Uh, so the first part that I talked about where we can have joy in, in joy in sharing the gospel. And uh, that was out of uh, Philippians chapter 1. And uh, we've seen how Paul uh, was arrested. And uh, he was basically on a house arrest where he's chained to a Roman guard for uh, 24 hours a day for like a couple years. And you just know that he has... Uh, Tons of opportunity to share the gospel with these people, and uh, people were getting saved, and and then some of these people were kind of jealous of Paul uh, because of all the ministry that he had. He had tons of disciples and tons of churches that he planted, and uh, people were going out sharing the gospel, but they didn't have the right heart attitude. They didn't have the right motive, and so uh, people were still coming to Christ. People were still getting saved, and so Paul rejoiced in that. Paul was. He, he didn't necessarily care. I mean, he did, but, you know, if they were going to do it with the wrong attitude, wrong motive, as long as people knew the true gospel, uh, that was what was the most important thing, that people were still getting saved with, through faith in Jesus Christ. And uh, it just kind of showed that, you know, our motives, just because we do something with the wrong motive, it doesn't change God's mission. Like, God's, it still gets accomplished. God still gets the glory and uh, with, so I talked about you know how 
uh, we should have joy in sharing the gospel and sharing our testimony. And, uh, you know, Paul had a true joy uh, to be able to do that, you know. And, and so um, that was kind of our first point. Um, like I said, I'm not going to go too much into it, but I, I know one thing I really liked, um, you know, I, I was telling you there's a lot of definitions for joy. And one of my, my favorite is a short, simple one that was, that I found in, in Webster's 1828. And it says, uh, to be in a glorious and triumphant state. And, uh, to me, that's really just, uh, that's real, real joy is that if I'm living a life of victory, a life of triumph, that it doesn't matter what we go through, it doesn't matter what we're doing in life, that we can have joy. You know, I think that's, uh, real, really where I want to be, and hopefully you all want to be as well. And, uh, uh, my next point I talked about was, um, so we had joy in sharing the gospel. Then we talked about joy in serving, uh, and you know, serving the Lord Jesus Christ, and doing so uh, with our brother, and doing it with uh, you know the body of Christ. There's something special about it that we can collectively come together and serve and just do some amazing things for the Lord. Uh, I think is really cool. And I gave a couple examples um, of the two. Men that we've seen in chapter two uh, with uh, Timothy and Epaphroditus, and uh, just their character and who they were um, as godly men, and uh, Timothy being uh, like uh, Paul calls him his own son uh, in faith and his beloved son, and uh, it was his disciple. It wasn't his real son, obviously, but it was his disciple that he trained up. And he was able to serve with, and uh, man, I can just imagine the things that they accomplished together. You know, he's mentioned quite often uh, with Paul, um, and then the brother Epaphroditus, who, uh, even though he was on his deathbed, this guy got sick, and uh, he was still willing to serve. He was still uh, want, having that commitment. And so, it doesn't matter what state we're in, uh, how, what our health is. Um, what age we are, it doesn't matter. Uh, we still can serve the Lord. We can still do it uh, with uh, the brethren. And so that was the first two points of uh, joy in sharing the gospel and joy in serving. And today we're going to finish up this lesson. And we have two more uh, points that we're going to look at today. And uh, so the first one's going to be in Philippians chapter 3. And we're going to start, start in verse 7. And read down to verse 14. And so I'll go ahead and pick this up here. And uh, Philippians chapter 3, verse 7 says, But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. And be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may ap- apprehend, that for which Christ I am also apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brother, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth those things which are before. 
I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. So our third point today that we're going to see is that there is joy in suffering. And this is probably one of the toughest ones to find joy in. And it kind of sounds like an oxymoron, right? Like joy and suffering. You know, how can those things go together? Uh, they're kind of opposite words in, in our English language, but uh, they go perfectly together. And we'll see that here in a moment through Scripture. But I think as Christians, I think a lot of times, you know, we we feel like we're suffering, right? We, we claim, like, I'm going through these hard times and I'm struggling and it's rough. We feel like we're suffering, especially in a world of, uh, we live in a world of instant gratification and, uh, you know, uh, when things don't go our way, when things don't go according to plan, uh, you know, we sometimes just say, well, woe is me. You know, why does it have to be this way? And uh, I think a lot of times what we get is a bunch of Christians walking around here uh, like we're Eeyore, uh, moping around and, you know, <laughs> And that's what I think of when I think of people that don't have a true joy. I just think of, oh, whoa, I don't, feeling sorry for themselves. And I think, I think instead of, uh, many Christians that are actually suffering, I think sometimes we're just being selfish. And so what we see, uh, you know, verses uh, seven through eight is, is that Paul had such a high Status of who he was um, as Saul. He um, and, and so look what his status is in verses. Uh, the couple verses before this, in verses five and six, he says, "Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, touching the law, a Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching uh, the righteousness which." is in the law, blameless. Paul's status was uh, so high, so elite. He was um, so well-known um, as a Pharisee, a Hebrew of Hebrews, all these different titles. And uh, he says he counts it as done. All those different things that he had going for him in life, he counted as done. And so is, is our worldly possessions, our career status, our wealth, our standing in the community, in our social status, do you count those things as dung compared to your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? We should, because all those things don't truly matter in the scope of eternity. And I, I you hear this word dung, and you, you know, it kind of seems like a vulgar word, right? And maybe it is a little bit to some, but you know something? The Word of God doesn't hold any punches. The Word of God uh, is brutally honest, right? Like, it doesn't hold back. And it has to be that way if, if it's going to be like what it says in Hebrews 4.12. For the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Only the truth can do that. Only the truth of God's Word can uh, get to the core of who we are and really just convict us and uh, make us really, you know, sometimes it seems a little offensive, right? 
And uh, this word, uh, this word dung here is the only time this word is used in the Bible. And um, a lot of different uh, versions, uh, they change this word. You know, imagine that. Um, and I'm not here to try to, you know, offend anybody. But, you know, here at Harlan we do uh, believe we have the true word of God in the King James Version. And so that's what we read and that's what I read. Um, and so I read the word here, dung. And then when I read all the other versions, they they change that word uh, to rubbish or garbage or even uh, refuse. And so I, I think it seems like a lot of these other uh, Bible translations uh, have been woke way before it was cool to be woke because they don't want to offend anybody. Uh, because that word dung, it just it seems kind of offensive, you know? And so they say, let's just change it to rubbish or garbage, right? Um, but that is how we should count our life uh, of the things that we go through, all these uh doesn't matter that who we are is is rooted in Christ. And, you know, Paul said, I count those things as dumb. And it says he counted it as a loss, you know, that uh, what well, he had to as Saul, uh, he had to count his past life as as a loss that he he didn't gain anything uh, when he was living that lifestyle of uh, persecuting uh, the church, uh, torturing Christians. Now, that's who Paul was before he became Paul. He was Saul, and he was a bad dude. He was a wicked dude. And uh, he thought he was doing things in the right uh, way, uh, but he counted all that as a loss. And Paul uh, kind of reminds me of, of the man in the parable in uh, Matthew chapter 13 and 45 through 46. Um, you know, Jesus is talking about what the kingdom of heaven is likened unto. And one of the times he says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a merchant man seeking godly, seeking goodly pearls, who, when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. And so, you know, we think sometimes that we're in this life and we're suffering, but, you know, are we really sold out for Christ and are we counting our sufferings uh, as, as as something that we can use for his honor and glory? And so he says that um, I count it for loss for the ex- excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. And so none of those things compared to what Paul, who Paul was, uh, compared to the ex- excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And this word, uh, I found it interesting, it's used in five different ways, five different words. What's up, Tommy? Uh, five different times, and each one is a different word. And so three of those times is found in the book of Philippians. Uh, chapter 2 and verse 3 Uh, let n- two or three it says, let none nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. That word better is the same word as excellency. And then uh, what we have in three eight, and then also in four seven, which we will read for our next point here coming up. But it says that the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So that word uh, also here is the word passeth. So the excellency of Jesus Christ is better and it passes all of those other things that we try to gain in this world. 
You know, it says that uh, Paul suffered the loss of these things, right? But that wasn't true suffering. The things that Paul did to the church, um, torturing and persecuting Christians, that that was that was suffering. The things that they went through, that's suffering. People that even today, and it's to me, it's just so crazy that Christians around the world and other countries are still being persecuted and. Um, you know, you would think that we live in a time when, when all that has kind of passed, but we don't. I mean, we live in some of these, some of these countries that are so against Christianity and against Christ that you can't even mention the name of Christ, uh, without being persecuted and without putting your life on the line. So, you know, sometimes though, I think we put ourselves there, right? We, we group ourselves in with, with some of these, uh, Christians that, uh, are truly suffering and truly going through persecution. Uh, but we live in an America that, and our life's not on the line. I mean, we, we can go out, we can tell people about Jesus, we can uh, serve, we can do anything that we want to uh, for the Lord. And, you know, no one's, no one's trying to stop us. No one's trying to take our life for it. And so I think we need to make sure uh, we're not putting ourselves in those same category. In verse 9, it says that, uh, it says, I found in him not having my own righteousness, right? Uh, Paul makes it clear the difference of his self-righteousness uh, that did nothing. Uh, all the things that he did uh, concerning the law, those things did nothing compared uh, for the righteousness of Christ, which is by faith, by the way, right? We can't gain that righteousness of Christ Unless we have that same faith, we have to have that faith that's in Him. It's only the, that is the only way we have that righteousness because our righteousness is as filthy rags. So I really like verse ten, and what I see in verse ten uh, is kind of like our three stages of our life uh, as a Christian. Uh, you know, we have the the moment we get saved, we have our our salvation, right? We have that, that time in our life where we cry upon Jesus and we accept Him into our life. You know, that's, that's your salvation moment. And then from that point on until, uh, you're either taken home, uh, through the rapture or, uh, you, you know, you die in this life, that's our sanctification process, right? That's where, uh, we're being continually set apart for His use. And then, you know, once we do die and, uh, we're going to heaven, we, we go through glorification and we get a new glorified body and, and so I see uh, this kind of uh, uh, as a little summary of that a little bit. You know, he says that I may know him, right? And that's what it takes uh, to have a real relationship with Jesus that, you know, people all the time have this idea about God. They, they believe in God. Uh, I grow up in church. Of course, I believe that God is real, but they don't know him. They don't have a personal relationship with him. And... Uh, we see that with, uh, and I'll talk about it a little bit more at the end, but we see that with these, these football players that so many of them, they give God credit. They say, you know, if it wasn't for God, you know, I wouldn't be here. But they don't know Jesus Christ. And that's what the sad thing is. So it's about knowing Him and, and having that moment in your life of, of crying out to Him and accepting Him into your life. And then we see, 
uh, the two parts of the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. I kind of see those two parts as our sanctification process. That, because uh, it's, it's that power that changes our life. And, uh, when we, we grow and we learn, uh, we, we, we go through trials and tribulations and we have that fellowship together. Uh, but, uh, as far as like the power goes, I, I really like the song by, uh, Jeremy Camp. Uh, it's called Same Power. And, one of the verses or chorus goes, I don't know which part, I'm not too musically inclined, but um, one of the verses says that the same power that rose Jesus from the grave, the same power that commands the dead to wake, lives in us, lives in us, the same power that moves mountains when he speaks, the same power that can call my rage and sea, lives in us, lives in us, he lives in us, lives in us. So, to me, it's just an amazing thing that we sometimes as Christians can't have joy or we can't rely, we can't know that we have joy. It's there when the same power that rose Jesus from the grave, that brought Him back to life, dwells inside of us. It's the same power, it's the same Holy Spirit that did that work. And, you know, it's just, how could we not have joy? How could we not know truly that man this is we got we got a power because it dwells in us and so that's just an amazing thing and i think of uh this verse as far as uh fellowship of his sufferings in romans eight seventeen, it says and if children then heirs heirs of god and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with Him, that we may be also glorified together. Right? And so we'll look more about that here in a minute. But, uh, you know, when we suffer, uh, it's, it's not for people to, to feel sorry for us. You know, we, we're going to suffer in whatever capacity so that we can bring glory to Him. And then the last part of that is says that, uh, and he's in uh, conformable unto his death, and I see that as our uh, glorification, right? And so uh, this is kind of like on all three steps of our of our walk with Christ there in that one verse. Um, and so uh, verse eleven it says, "And by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead." Uh, and some people kind of take this verse as like you have to work towards your salvation. I have to attain it. I have to. Uh, you know, try to gain my salvation, but that's not what it's saying that, you know, he already, you know, attained his salvation uh, on the road to, to Damascus. And, but it wasn't something that, so he didn't have something that he had to work for, but uh, he had some work to be get done. And, uh, so what I see here though is, you know, we, we do all go through different trials and we do have things that we struggle with and and I get it life is tough sometimes and and things happen in life that uh you just can't control and you just like man this is a bummer and uh, so I understand uh, trust me my wife and I right now we we have a situation in our life that is just uh you know not that uh we wouldn't wouldn't never do it, it it's just that man 
you don't expect certain things to happen in life, but you do it because that's what God wants you to do. And uh, you got to be ready for those things. And uh, you never know when something's going to get dropped in your life and something crazy is going to happen. Uh, you're going to lose the job. Uh, you're going to have to move. You're going to have to, you know, take on some family, you know. And so I understand, you know, I, we we go through different things, but, you know, we're not... We're not, we're not expecting people, we shouldn't have people feel sorry for us, right? When we go, when we suffer in, in whatever uh, way that we feel like we're suffering, and we need to do it for Christ's sake. That's what it says in uh, Philippians 129. 129, it says, For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on Him, right? So we all believe on Him but also to suffer for His sake. And, uh, you know, God actually gave me this passage this morning. Uh, if you want to go to First Peter, this, this really kind of sums up this whole thing of, of our suffering. I want to make sure I get done today. First Peter chapter 4, verse 12 through 16. Check this out. This is a really, you know, a perfect passage, I think, for this. Verse 12, it says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. Right? Like, why do we go through this life thinking, man, why is it, why do I have to go through this? Why is it, why is it me? You know, why do we think this is a strange thing? That the Bible makes it clear we're gonna suffer for His sake. Right? If we, if you're following Jesus and you're living your life for Him, these things are going to happen. But yet, sometimes we, and I've been there. I'm like, why do, why, why me? Why, why do I got to go through this? You know. But and then it continues on and says, but rejoice in as much as you are partakers of Christ's suffering, that when His glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye, for the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. And on your part he is evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. So let none of you suffer as a murderer, as a thief, or as an evildoer, right? I mean, let's not do these things. Let's not be sinful and evil, or as a busybody in other men's matters. And then verse 16. If any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. The word Christian is found three times in the Bible. Two of them are in Acts and one right here. And one of them right here is tied directly to suffering. But guess what? As a Christian, as a follower of Christ, you're gonna go, you're gonna suffer. But you can have joy in it. Because our suffering is directly connected with Christ. That when, I think, you know, when we go through, you know, hard things in life, if we can just imagine just how minuscule that is compared to what Christ had to suffer for us to even have this life, right? And so we need to make sure that, you know, when we suffer, it's not, it's not because, uh, it, it, it's because we go, we are to suffer for His sake, and we can have joy in it. 
And I, I think some of you may have heard this before, but it's, it fits perfectly, right? That God hasn't called us to be happy, right? God doesn't, he, in the Bible, He doesn't say, be ye happy. He says, be ye holy. And I think that, I think we all struggle with that sometimes. I know I struggle with it. That it doesn't matter um, how I feel. It's about what God's plan is for our life. But I think a perfect way, um, yeah, I'm going to get through this, perfect way that we can though deal with suffering though is found in verses 13 and 14 in our passage in chapter 3 where Paul says, I, uh, I forget those things that are behind me, right? Okay, when, when we go through something in life, we're not just dwelling on it. We're not just uh, just living in it. He says, I forget those things that are behind me and I reach forward to the things in front of me that I press towards the mark of Jesus Christ, right? That I keep moving forward. I don't let the things in my past uh, keep being a hindrance to my walk with Christ. And I think that's uh, where we need to be. We need to make sure we press towards the mark. All right, last point, and we'll wrap this up today. So uh, it's going to be found in chapter 4 and verses 4 through 8. Uh, and we can have joy in standing for Christ. Taking a stand for the Lord Jesus Christ. First one, it says, Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved, and long for my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. And that passage, that, that phrase, excuse me, is used you know, several times in the New Testament. And uh, But if, if we're to stand fast, that means you can't stand slow. That means uh, we can't wait uh, to get on board with what Jesus Christ is doing in our life because uh, the time is short and the time is at hand that the Lord is going to return. And, uh, you know, we don't, we don't know when, uh, so we can't delay in living our life for Him. I'll read the rest of the passage here. Uh, I beseech uh, Eodias and uh, beseech Scythe. Uh, I'm not even going to try. Sentai, and that be of the same mind in the Lord. And I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labor with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and uh, with other my my fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. And then verse 4 is really kind of uh, a theme verse for Philippians it can be because, you know, we see... We see it all throughout the book. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And then verse 8 says, Finally, brethren, Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Alright, so I said verse 4 was kind of a, a theme verse throughout the book. And uh, verse verse 5, um, you know, that word moderation here is, is translated as uh, gentleness. And, uh, you know, I think it's easy um, as Christians to, uh, you know, and that's one thing I've had to be careful of, like forcing my faith on people and uh, just making sure that I'm doing it with a gentle heart, that 
that we need to take a stand for Jesus Christ, but at the same time, we need to do it with a gentle spirit. And so you got to have a nice uh, balance there that you do got to just go all in, and but you got to make sure you're doing it out of love. Uh, verse 6, I really think this is uh, probably where uh, my grandma got a famous saying that she used to tell me when I was incarcerated. And she would tell me every day that I would call her, or every time I would call her, uh, she would write it on every letter that she wrote, and uh, she would say, uh, why worry when you can pray? And, uh, you know, I have to remind myself uh, sometimes to make sure to do that, that uh, I think that's what the verse says. Be careful for nothing. That's what that is talking about. It's not being, being cautious, um, you know, you know, being tiptoeing around. Being careful for nothing means to uh, not have anxiety and not to worry and, you know, cast your cares upon the Lord, right? Because He cares for us. And so we're... we're were to lift those things up into prayer to him because we know we got, we got to trust him that he's got us right god hasn't brought you this far in life just to bring you this far in life like he has a continual purpose and plan for your life and so we have to we have to trust him in those things now verse 8 uh if we're going to take a, a stand with jesus uh these things these things that we see in verse 8, this needs to be who we are. Because this world is the opposite of these, of being true and honest and just and pure and lovely. And I, I don't see these as just character qualities of, of, of Jesus Christ. I see these things of who Jesus Christ is. And that is who we need to be. Right? Jesus Christ, He's true, He's honest, He's just, He's pure. He's lovely. He's of a good report. He has all the virtue, which is power, and he deserves all the praise. So this is this is past point class, and um, some of you, I'm sure, know the kind of meaning behind that name is that essentially we are past the point of return uh, to our old life that we've come so far following Jesus Christ that that we're not going back. Right, that we're not going back to our old life, and uh, but some, unfortunately, some people still do. But but it means we're going to take a stand. And to me, this brings great joy, knowing that I have something to live for, something that I can live my life for and have a plan and purpose, uh, and not just go through life wondering what's out there for me. Right, and that makes me that that helps me to take a stand for Jesus Christ. Because I think we live in a time where we see a bunch of compromising and passive Christians that don't want to take a stand for what's wrong. and They don't want to take a stand for the truth. Because we've all compromised our faith. I've been there. Even just a little bit. Even just little things in life that we go through that we make compromises on. You know? Um, example is, I... When someone says, you know, they use the Lord's name in vain at work, I will often tell them, God doesn't, God didn't, damn it, the beavers did. So then there was a guy not too long ago that, that said, yeah, okay, I guess, I was, there was a guy at work the other day that said it, and I just didn't say anything. But normally I do, and I, I at least say something to let them know that, that that does kind of bother me because I don't 
I don't want to hear the Lord's name used like that. But I just kind of let it go. And, and you know, later on I felt like, man, why didn't I say something? Because I normally do. And so it's those little compromises that I don't, I don't want to do. Because when I take a stand, and it does, it gives me joy knowing like, yeah, yeah, at least I said something. I don't know about you, but I want to go all in for the Lord. There's a, there's a Christian rap song. Uh, called Go Hard by Lecrae and Tadashi. And it's kind of cool. My nephew is here this morning and he's actually been listening to some Christian rap music lately. And, you know, I listen to a lot of Christian rap and, um, I showed him this song the other day. And, uh, but it, it talks about, you know, going hard for the Lord, like go all in. And, uh, he, he says in his verse, so I guess I got a couple songs here, verse I must like music. Uh, he goes, Go hard or go home. Use me up, Lord. And then he goes on to say, uh, Take me out the game, coach. I don't want to play no more. If I can't give it all I got and leave it out there on the court, thank you for the grace and for the will and for the desire. It said, living for your glory instead of living to retire. But I pray I never tire of going hard for Messiah. I don't need no motivation. You're the reason I'm inspired. And so... I hope that we can all have that in our life, that we can go hard for the Lord, that we're not going to be passive, we're not going to compromise on our faith. And I think of this verse in Philippians that we, that we might have already kind of looked at, uh, Philippians chapter 2 verse 15, uh, you know, Pastor Jason often prays this prayer as, as we're dismissed to send us out as lights in a crooked and perverse nation. And that's what it says here in verse 15. 15 and 16, it says that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. Are you going out as a light in a crooked and perverse world? And are you doing it with joy? Because in a jacked up world, it, it brings me joy to know when I take a stand for the Lord Jesus Christ. And I hope it brings you joy too. So I got this last part. We'll wrap up here. I know I opened up talking about the Super Bowl and talking about how that brought joy. But many of these football players that you see, they do, they give credit to God. You know, the first thing they say, if it wasn't for God, I wouldn't be here. And then the next thing you see is uh, them chugging beers, you know, at a Super Bowl parade. And, and it does, it, like, I've seen it the first time it happened, and I've seen it this year, and it, and it does kind of grieve my spirit a little bit where, you know, that's not, that's not a great way to celebrate, you know? And it's because that these guys, they don't have the true joy of Jesus Christ in their life. That if they need to feel that they need to um, celebrate in that manner and, you know, get hammered drunk and party and, man, even the same thing, and I'm like, they, in the same sentence, even even a guy who we all probably like as a quarterback, Patrick Mahomes, he said, uh, they asked him first, um, you know, how has your faith got you through? And, you know, he's like, well, I just try to go out there and uh, and bring glory to him. And then he said, and then in the same interview, uh, they said, well, what are you doing? And he's like, oh, I think we're going to go to this club and... and you know, celebrate or something. I'm just like, man, it's just, it's just heartbreaking because he does, that's not true joy.
But if you're a born again believer today, you can have these joy, you can have joy in these areas in your life by sharing the gospel, by serving the Lord Jesus Christ with your brethren, by suffering for his sake, and by taking a stand for the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, God, Lord, uh, Lord, we just love you, Lord. We love your word. We're thankful for it. Uh, we know that, uh, without it, uh, we, we wouldn't know to ha- how to have joy, Lord. We wouldn't know, um, what to do when, uh, situations in, in life arise that are sometimes hard and tough, but, uh, Lord, uh, you've given us everything that we need, um, and you've given it through your word, through your son, Jesus Christ. And I'm just thankful for that. Uh, Lord, I do pray that everyone here can, can have a real joy, Lord, that's not, uh, just fake, that uh, they were just uh, uh, getting by in life uh, just to put a, a smile on their face, Lord, just to uh, please people. But Lord, I pray that it's real in all of our lives, Lord, that uh, we can uh, we can do it in sharing the gospel, Lord, and uh, we can do it when we serve you. Uh, we can do it uh, when we uh, have times in our life that we, we feel like we're suffering, and uh, Lord, that we can take a stand for you in, in a crooked and perverse world, Lord. And so, uh, Lord, we just love you so much, and uh, we just thank you for everything you do in our lives, and we just give you honor and glory in Jesus' name. Amen.